you're going to continue to build and grow and help people, you've got to focus on the people. We build the people and the people build the business. Like I would literally run to my office, but don't talk to me because I got to get work done. And then I realized over the years, and it was something that I grew because I got leadership way too early, but I did it. And then I realized it wasn't about me. I'm just the servant leader for them. So what can I do to help them achieve greatness and purpose in their life? You have that pivotal moment where you know, no matter how bad your day is, you're going to go home, put on your funny slip full of shades, have a glass of wine or a Coke Zero. Get up the next day and do it again. Don't quit before the mirror. First of all, it really is a privilege. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me. Uh, Thanks for having me. One of the things that I've learned over my tenure as a leader is all the nuggets of wisdom I've gained along the way. But I didn't get where I am without all the people that taught me those things. And But I also reflect back they made me a leader and I was in my 20s. What were they thinking? And they didn't tell me how or what to do. But somehow, there's no blueprint. Right. They give you this title or this responsibility, but they don't always give you the, the tutelage instructions. And you have to do it through experience. So I'm hoping today and in my podcast that I can help people who, whether they're already in an executive leadership role or they're just starting out, that these nuggets of wisdom will help them not make the mistakes that I made along the way. My quick first and easy question for you is, did you see yourself becoming a leader when you were younger? I think I always did. I was bossy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, are you from a big family? No, it's actually um, my sister and I, and she's older than me, but I'm a bossy younger sister still today. So you were always just bossy. So you're like... Bossy opinionated, headstrong, all those great things. Yeah, okay. I certainly didn't see myself in the industry that I'm in today. So was the time we had. So was there a pivotal like a fork in the road moment that led you to become the leader you are today? Oh man, and I, I was thinking about this question because I think there's so many forks in the road. Yeah. I look back over my life and career and there's so many moments and decisions and you make a certain decision, I believe in cause and effect. And, sure. But I, there was one instance that happened to me that I definitely shaped my future. I was in a terrible accident. Mm. Um, and I think I may have shared that with you when we first spoke, but when I was in college, I was hit by a car while I was jogging. And that was definitely a pivotal moment, as yeah. you can imagine. Just so many lessons learned from that, mainly how to survive. Um, that doesn't happen to you without years of recovery and therapy and surgeries. But through that, just the spirit, not only that I had to have, but the people around me. I really got to know, this is going to sound crazy, I really got to know my family even better through that because just the strength of my mom. And I just remember her standing in the gap for me when I didn't have the will to survive. She was like, you've got this. And just seeing how the family came together to rally around me, just really got to know them as people versus a sibling or a mom or a dad. And I was a young mom at the time. So I was in college. I was a young mom. So just really. What was the prognosis that you wouldn't live or you'd be crippled for life? It was uncertainty. I think that in the beginning, obviously, the injuries were traumatic and 
they didn't know for several days if I would live. And then when it became apparent that I would survive physically with my life, what the prognosis, how I would walk again. I had a brain injury. I have a brain injury. That's not something you really get over. Oh my gosh. Just, it's just learning how to, to exist, but not just exist, but survive and thrive. And by the grace of God, I did recover. And just, again, learned a lot of lessons through that. And the, the one like true lesson that I think I learned through all of it is we may have great plans for our life. I, I thought I had the world by the tail. I was in college. I was a young mom. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew why I wanted to do it. I wanted to create a great life for myself and my daughter. But there was an interruption of plans. And what I've really learned is some of God's greatest gifts are interruption of plans. And even though I didn't stay on the same trajectory, it ultimately led me where I am today. Wow. And I'm just so, so you look back on it with somewhat of an admiration that I learned and grew and became a better person. A 100%. Now, I wish I didn't have to go through all the pain right. of the right. back part. I tell you, as we get older, especially, those aches and pains are still there. But it really taught me a lot about myself and mindset and surviving and overcoming and, and just being able to to not only start something but finish it and how to help other people along the way. And I think that's where it's helped me in my leadership career is if I can sit in this seat and be a people leader and have an impact on people's lives, which is to me one of the most important responsibilities that you can have other than being a mom and a wife is is having people in your care that you're responsible for helping them shape their future. But it really helped me teach them if I can do this, it's okay. Man, we are so equally yoked because I've always said the biggest privilege I have beyond being a wife and a mom is being a leader. And around that dinner table, when they're with their kids and their families, what we say, what we do as their leaders is literally impacting their lives, whether it's a good day or a bad day, based on how well I have coached and led and encouraged them. But kudos to your mom, by the way. Oh. My mom, she was the strongest person that, that I know. for mamas because I've got a 93-year-old mom. And, and I had a, my, my father passed when I was nine years old. And she was widowed with five kids. And I was the baby. And whew, I'm going to try not to cry. I'm going to cry, baby. And I just look back about the strength of her. Like, how did she weather that storm? Five kids, school teacher income. And she would, they were Romeo and Juliet. And it was like just this tragic moment, right? And, I, one of the things that I love about your story is we all have one. We don't always know what our people's stories are. They don't always share them. So when you think today, and tell me your journey, how did you get into leadership? So I would have to go back even before the accident, the fork in the road. I come from a family of just entrepreneurs, leaders, strong people. My dad worked a full-time job, but then came home on the weekends and ran the family business. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, but she ran the family business, right? And then she opened another business. And my sister always had a job. Like, I didn't really want a job too much other than working in the family business when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. But my sister, I remember her getting a job at at a beauty salon, sweeping the floor when she was like 11 years old, and she had all of this extra money. So we just came, I came from Mm -hmm. a family. I was privileged to come from a family that that modeled good work right. ethic and, and good behavior and 
responsibility when it came to that. I knew that I wanted to be like them when I grew up. So went to college, got in the accident, spent several years recovering. Like that mm -hmm. interruption absolutely knocked me off course. But I, my dad had been in the insurance industry. That was his full-time job. And so he gave me my first job. Oh, did job he really? In, in the, <laughs> yes. Once I recovered, he gave me my first job. I remember just really going to him and he introduced me into the business and it just stuck. It, it was incredible to be able to help people and to sit across someone and talk about something that really nobody wants to talk about, but everybody mm -hmm. needs. And then just see the impact of when a claim got mm. made and the impact that happened on a family. And ultimately I didn't stay with his company. I was recruited to another company and I, that's where I ended up at Aflac. And it just, it worked. It was like passion met purpose when I found this company. When I was recruited, I was, it was shared with me. If I did the work that the, the rewards would be there and not only for today, but for tomorrow and the next year and the next year. And I could really build something special. And I've just always believed. And I think it was instilled to me by my family at a young age. If I was going to bet on somebody, I was going to bet on me. And I knew I would do the work and that's what I did. And again, it's not complicated. This industry is not complicated. It's just about caring enough about people to do the right thing to to have relationships and then do the work God, we are like you could be my soul sister right now if you don't even know that because when you just said do the work but care and love and value your people because you know we teach sales training right and everybody wants me to give them tactically how do i close more and i'm like it begins with of course we've talked about your mindset but it also it begins with caring and valuing the people right you're solving something for them you're not selling them anyway we could go on and on that but tell me this, market shift, things come and go. You've gotten into executive leadership. You have an amazing team. I heard you describe your executive leaders. I just loved that, by the way, because you could tell how much you loved them and cared for them. Markets are tough. And we go through seasons. How do you motivate and inspire your team in tough markets? You're so right, Casey. I think we can look back just a uh couple of years back when the pandemic hit mm -hmm. like we were talking about it some me and some of my leaders were talking about it this week like how in 2019 we had so much momentum on our team and then we were just rocking and rolling and everything was just going along perfect and then suddenly everything changed and everything changed for everybody at the same time and first of all i'm blessed to work for a company that really took care of yeah. their people during that time so i I represent and work for a company that's very people-centered, and they model that. And so I think that you just have to stay people-centered. And I know that may be a recurring theme in this conversation today, but I think, I believe that it's a recurring theme. If you're going to continue to build and grow and help people, you've got to keep the focus on the people. We build the people, and the people build the business. That's just the you may be way further than me when I was younger, because when I was younger, I didn't know that I just got the job and I'm like, OK, I got to get it out of the people. Right. I was more about the task versus the people. I would literally run to my office and don't talk to me because I got to get work done. And then I realized over year over the years and it was something that I grew because I got leadership way too early, but I did it. And then I realized it wasn't about me. Right. I'm just the servant leader for them. 
So what can I do to help them achieve greatness and purpose in their life? Yeah, and there's a different, we lead a diverse team. So everybody, I lead a sales team of professionals, of entrepreneurs. So even though I'm a corporate employee, everybody in my organization that's outside of my market office is an entrepreneur. And so to lead and help entrepreneurs grow, you have to get to know them. You have to understand where they want to be in their career. You have to do the work with them because it is really hard to coach someone when you don't have a relationship with them. And I lead leaders now. And again, that's I lead and coach the leadership, the executive leadership of, of my market. But they're leading and coaching other leaders in the organization. So that behavior has to has to be modeled, but it's really hard to coach someone when you don't have a relationship. So I was recently with a group of leaders last week. This is a great segue to you people centered, get to know them. And I asked four questions to say, because a lot of them I said, How well do you know your people? And they're all like, Oh, we know them really well. I said, okay, I'm gonna ask you four questions. And if you can answer all four questions on each person then you know your people. And they're like, okay, bring it. I was like, okay, here we go. Question number one, right? How well, uh, what are their hobbies outside of work? Like their passions. If they weren't working, what would they be doing? Uh, what are their uh, pets and children's names? And they went, mm-hmm. I said, okay, um, what's their story about how they got where they are? And they're like, okay, now you're really pushing us, right? So as we get them, and by the way, the fourth is, If they weren't working and they're in retirement mode, what will that next phase of career be? And as we went through the, right, and then you go, you but it's because I didn't know this on my own people early on. They were just a worker, right? And I'm really trying to shake up the country and leadership to go, you have a privilege, get to know your people. And you said it just now, you can't really coach somebody if you don't know them. I don't know your story. I don't know why you are where you are and who you are. And I just applaud you for making people first. Do you have, are there certain techniques or strategies you use to help motivate your people? Again, it's about their whys, about what they want to do. You have to really understand what they want. Obviously, we're in a performance-based business. There are certain performance metrics. The company does an incredible job of having bonuses. So that incentive trips, all of that motivates. But again, that motivation has to come from within. And I always tell people, you can't want it more for them than they want it for themselves. And with our opportunity, everybody kind of walks in the same door and they get the same level of training, they get the same experience, but what they bring to the table is that desire. And so really just tapping into that desire and helping them navigate through that because every day is not gonna be a great day, right? Every day is not gonna be a great day. I hope it is. Right, but but it's the reality. It's not. But don't quit before the miracle. Like don't quit before. Oh, you have to. I'm writing that one down. Don't quit before don't the quit miracle. Before you have that pivotal moment where you know, no matter how bad your day is, you're going to go home, put on your fuzzy slippers, pull the shades, have a have a glass of wine or a, a, a Coke Zero if you're me. That's what I would have <laughs> for a cup. But get up the next day and do it again. Don't quit before the miracle. Hmm, that's going to be my new favorite quote for the day. That's beautiful, by the way. Okay, so someone's, again, we're sales training. Somebody said to me, how often should I contact somebody before I stop? That's a common question. How often? Is it no for now or is it no forever? Yeah. 
no is a derivative of not yet. That's it's right. the first two That's letters right. of not yet. That's right. And I, we just try to encourage, and I have a, an incredible market trainer that works um, and actually does sales training with our associates. And she says a minimum of five times before you stop following up, but then ask that question. Is it no for now or is it no forever? If it's no forever, we'll part as friends. But if it's just no for now, I'll follow back up with you. I love that. I love that. But not quitting before the miracle, because what if it called number six was it? If you didn't know, right? That's what you have to say. Is it no for now? No for now, no for it. All right. So I loved this question. I can't wait to hear. What are you most proud of right now? My kids, my husband. I met my husband in my career, and he became my business partner. So he helped me build the business because even though I'm a corporate employee now, mm -hmm. I spent 21 years as an entrepreneur, which is another reason. So you've walked in the shoes of your people. I have. I started as an associate and I was a district manager and I was a regional manager. And so I've walked, I've done their job, but I met my husband along the line and he really helped me build my business. And I know you've worked with your husband too. I do. But I'm a really proud wife. I'm proud of what we accomplished together. And so when you ask me what I'm proud of, I'm proud of that. But I'm proud mm -hmm. of my kids. I'm proud of my family. I have two beautiful, beautiful children. They were always my why. They're still my why. Now they have beautiful grandchildren that I have. Oh, um, oh. So they've blessed me with a lot of boys in my life. So I have four grandsons. So you got your boys. But just in the manner. I, I do. I have a girl and a boy, a son and a daughter. They bless me with lots of boys. No granddaughter yet. So I'm just waiting on waiting on that. So okay. just okay. amazing family. There'll be lots so of pink daughter. going on, I'm guessing, when you get that <laughs> granddaughter. When I get that granddaughter, absolutely. That beautiful step-granddaughter. Love, love them just like their minds. Somebody who's quite accomplished like you are today, I'm guessing there's been some inspiration along the way. Who inspired you? Oh, my goodness. There's been so many people. Nobody gets here alone. I have mentors. I have sponsors. I have leaders along the way. Coaches, great coaches. Sometimes your coaches, too, they'll aggravate you. You can look back. You can look back and be like, man, I'm glad that person aggravated me. They were a great coach. So I just inspired by a lot of people inside and outside of my company. My greatest inspiration, I still draw from my mom, my dad, my family. They're their greatest inspiration for you. They're, they've almost role modeled how you want to be. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. What a blessing. And I, I love the fact that you said it, it was a privilege because I think we sometimes forget how we got where we are, that there's so many things that happened. But even in the midst of the tragedy that you went through, you look back at it fondly, that it helped you grow as a person. One of the things I have to be careful with, I don't know if you uh, feel this about yours, but I have to, because uh, <laughs> you're way further than I am. I have a 14-year-old. I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud because I'm older than you. And a 17-year-old. I'm exhausted. But anyway, mine is I can't take away their struggles. I got to let them struggle. Because that's where growth happens. As much as I can tell them how not to do it, don't do it. I got to let them figure it out. And that's a hard thing when you're an older mom. Because I'm like. That, that's a hard thing. It, I think at any level of motherhood. And now I watch it with you know, the grandkids. But they will go and grow through so much. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to go through so much. They're going to grow through so much. And 
I know at this stage of my life, I'm just so proud of my kids. Like I, and you'll see this as well. And I know you're yeah. proud of your kids, but when they become adults, like they're really awesome humans. I know. And they're friends, right? They, they are. They're really cool humans. Like I enjoy them so much. I enjoy the conversation. I'm actually leaving tonight to, to go see my son. And I, I don't get to see him that much because he lives in Florida as much as I would like. And right. one of my grandsons and I don't think we ever see our kids as much as we have. Mm. My daughter here in town, but she's a super mom and super busy, and I don't see her as much as I would like. So any chance that I have to be with them, but they are really cool, cool humans. So I know you're in the midst of the teenage um, years, and I remember that. But man, on the other side of that, it's just going to be really it's fun. Magic. So it's far, magic. my 17 year old still wants to talk to me, and st- we just went to okay. we just did a girls trip. She and I, we went down to, she goes, Mom, just you and me, let's go somewhere. I'm like, whoa, yes. Okay, where do you want to go? That's special. It was, it was. And I can just see future trips. She goes, let's go to Europe, just you and me. I'm like, Dad's going to be a little upset about this. We're going to have to let him come. Listen, if you look back, you've decided on certain leaders to work for you, right? And you, what attributes did you look for in those leaders in order to have them become part of your team? I can coach and I can help develop, but I can't bring the the desire. I can't bring the heat. I can't bring the mindset. They have to walk in the door with that, Mm. right? They have to be people-centered. They have to care about people. They have to be willing to do the work. So you're looking for work ethic, people-centered, empathy, I'm guessing, right? 100%. Loyalty. Loyalty. A very loyal leader to the team and... I surround myself with, I, I have an incredible leadership team. Awesome. By the way, I'm hoping that your leadership team listens to this. And of course, your kids. Send this to them so they can hear how mama's really proud of them. <laughs> because I'm really defined by the people around me, right? My children, my family, which you've d- identified, and your leadership team. And so if you could talk to the 21-year-old out in the market that wants to become a leader, what would you say to them? You got this. You got this. Yes. You've got this. It is possible. Every year I come up with, and we do this as a team, so it's a pretty cool exercise. We do a word of the year. And we also do a phrase. I do a phrase for our team. And one year it was possible was the word. And the phrase is, it is possible. And I would just tell my younger self, not only is it possible, but you've got this. Like, you can do it. You've got this. Keep going. Like, all the things that my mom told me. Yes. That's that's what I would tell them. But you have to do the work. I I know I come back to that, but being, especially being in business, being in leadership, being an entrepreneur specifically, you have to go do the work. Man, we, I'm not kidding. We could be sisters. I don't know if you know this, but we have a word of the year at Zenix every year as well. Our word this year is elevate. Ooh. Now, I don't have a phrase, so I might add that part. I love that. Ours is elevate everything we do. Elevate how you engage client, how you do teach, every aspect of it. And when you do it, we actually have created this team recognition program where everybody gives an elevate card. We call it an elevate card email, if you will, that gets submitted to me and the whole team. And we read them out. How, what did we elevate? How did we perform? And then we get, we spin the wheel like Wheel of Fortune for prizes and everything. So everybody wants to get the Elevate card. But I love, by the way, the word of the year of possible. 
I yeah, love. that was a couple of years ago. This year, it was commitment. And I don't know about you, but my work haunts me for months. I, I think about it. I agonize over it. I pray about it. Uh, I do all the things. Yes. I didn't really want the word commitment, by the way. I was like, I and I argued with myself for quite a while. I'm committed. I don't know where this word is coming from, but where I use this word and where I really, it started to resonate with me is every year during our kickoff season, we have a lot of fun around here. You'll learn that about our team. We dressed up like pirates this year. Oh my God, I love it. So we had this big kickoff party. And so I was, I was researching like commitment, pirates, and I came across a story and our phrase became burn the boats. Because I don't know if you have heard the story and I'll tell you like super please quick. Please do, please um, there was a, a gentleman back in 1519, and this is probably legend, but I came across the story. His name was Hernando Cortez, and he had set out to do something nobody had ever done. He was going to take the treasure that the same army had held for over 600 years. And so he had to assemble this army of 500 soldiers, and they set sail in 11 ships from like the shores of Cuba to the Yucatan Peninsula where they were going to take this treasure. Nobody had ever been able to do it. So he was a little bit different kind of leader. And what Cortez did is he he would get up every day and he would have his men talk about why they were on this journey, not just what they were going to do, but why they were going to do it, how they were going to feel when they took this treasure, how it was going to feel like, how it was going to change their lives. And ultimately they did. They got to the shores and when everybody gathered around to hear like the instructions of where they were going to go, how they were going to go fight, I can just see it too. He gathered his team around and he's, he said three words that changed everything. He said, burn your boats, burn the boats. And what that was is he took away any obstacle to turn back because he, if we're going home, we're going home in their boats. And again, I don't know how true that story is, but coming across that during that kickoff season really resonated because I, that was ultimate commitment, burn the boats keep I keep this little ship in my office that tells me every day I have to get up and burn my boat and so all year that's what we've been talking about is commitment as a team so I believe that's why that word haunted me so much is so that I could tell that story over and over again to our folks like sometimes your boat could just be an excuse sometimes it could be one foot in one foot out of your career so burn your boats get all in let's do this thing my gosh, I think maybe we end on that one. That is, I, I may have to steal your commitment word and burn the boat or possible. I don't know. I love them both and anything is possible. But the reality is we are, we get in our own way, but the world's changing and we have to change with it. We have to burn the boat to not look back and not keep going. But it could have been, should have been. It's think about the possibilities of what is going to in front of you. And we got to get rid of what we've been doing and look at what we can do. And so one of my favorite gentlemen, Joe Esposa, I don't know if you know him or follow him about mindset. It says, as long as you're focused on the past, you can't create the future. And you have to get your head out in looking forward of what you can do. Man, by the way, I'll share it later, if you will, but one of our, my favorite word of the years was energize. Energize how you engage, how you answer the phone, how you exercise every aspect of your business. And we've been doing one word of the year for a while. So we do our t-shirts, we do all of the things. And Kathy, what a privilege it is just to spend a few minutes with you. I've taken a page of notes, passion meets purpose. I think that when you can help people find their passion 
and it meets their purpose in life, man, you they're not working. They're just, uh, they're loving what they do. That's right. Let me just say thanks again for your time. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Anything else you want to share? I have a dad joke. Why don't skeletons ever go trick-or-treating? Skeletons go trick-or-treating. I don't know. Why? They have nobody to go with. <laughs> oh my gosh.